Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, everybody. Welcome in another edition of Sal Sports Live right here on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. We're live on a Thursday night here at 7.30. We do it every Thursday night. We talk Buffalo Bills football. Look forward to the next game. And, of course, on the podcast, Sal Sports and Stuff. So if you can't make the live show, you can always listen to the podcast. But, of course, I'd love you to come to the live show, get those eyeballs on what's going on here on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube. I got all the links on my Twitter account, at Sal Sports. So I really appreciate that. But, of course, you can download, subscribe to the podcast, it's not just the live shows that can appear on the podcast. That's what it is right now on a weekly basis, but other interviews go on there as well. So make sure you subscribe. You can get that Apple iTunes. You can go to WGR550.com to do that as well. Got a special guest coming your way in a little while. Uh, Troy Rank of ABC Denver 7 is going to join me to talk about the Denver Broncos. And yes, Bills and the Broncos. Bills have a chance to do something they haven't done in 25 years, a quarter century ago. I want you to sit back and think about what were you doing in 1995 when the Buffalo Bills last won a division title? Maybe you weren't even born yet, like Josh Allen. Maybe you, you know, were very much in your infancy and you do not have any recollection whatsoever of the Buffalo Bills winning a division. But that's what they have a chance to do the first time in a quarter century, 1995, if they beat the Denver Broncos on Saturday in Denver. And yes, it is a Saturday game. So what does that mean? It's going to be Saturday at 4.30. It's on NFL Network. Uh, it's going to be airing on Channel 7 locally in Buffalo uh, as well, I believe. But it's going to be a national television audience for what it's worth. And, you know, I, I know these Saturday games don't draw as many eyeballs on the national television audience because it's a it's an NFL Network game around the country. Local markets have it, you know, in the local affiliates. But so, so you're not going to get like you get on a Sunday night game like they had last week against the Steelers. You're not going to get like a Monday night, like they had against the 49ers the week before or what they have coming up next week against the New England Patriots. But really, the Bills are in this stretch run now of games on primetime, games on the national stage. They had a Monday night. They had a Sunday night. They have a Saturday this week. They have another Monday night next week. So a lot of eyeballs on the Buffalo Bills and really at the right time, right? Here they are at 10-3. and three. 
They're ascending. They're a team on the ascension, a young team with, I think, a really solid foundation and obviously a great season rolling on right now at 10 and 3. I'm going to bring in my special guest right now to talk about their opponent this week, and his name is Troy Rank from ABC7 in Denver. Hey, Troy, what's going on? Thanks for doing this tonight. Yeah, Sal, everything's good, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, no problem at all. Uh, I got to ask you, what were you doing in 1995? 1995, I was the assistant sports editor at the Yuma Daily Sun in Yuma, Arizona. My main beat was covering the Yuma High Criminals. That was the nickname of the high school, the Yuma wow. High Criminals. So uh, I covered some baseball there, a lot of lot of baseball, a lot of wrestling, and uh, I covered an independent baseball team that went out of business and the owner tried to sue me. But oh, other wow. than that. <laughs> the reason I ask is, that is the last time the Buffalo Bills won the AFC East. They have a chance to do it tomorrow. I'm sorry, Saturday with a victory in Denver. And I, and I think it's going to happen over the next three weeks at some point, whether that's a win in Denver or a loss by the Dolphins this weekend or some other combination later on. But it's been a long time. But yet these two teams go back. They have a, a really good, rich history, actually, of being good at the same time in the late 80s, early 90s, of course, with Kelly and Elway. But what do you remember about those Bills teams back in the late 80s and early 90s and going all the way back when they were actually winning division titles? It's been a long time. Yeah, I mean, like everyone, I remember them from afar for Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, Andre Reed, just how unique that offense was. I mean, they were the, really kind of the first team to do the no huddle, yep. but now nobody huddles literally in high school, college, or NFL. It's rare to see a true huddle um, or it's a muddle. You know, it's not even a true yeah, huddle. Right. And, I, and I remember Bruce Smith. I've met Bruce Smith a few times at different events. I mean, he's just stri he strikes an imposing figure. And Daryl Talley. I mean, those were some great Bills teams. I mean, you think about why they were so good and, you know, like it was an anomaly. Then you go back and look at their roster. And you're like, oh, that's why. Because they had Hall of yeah. Famers and really good players. And, like, when I go back and look at the Broncos, when they won back-to-back -back Super Bowls in 97 and 98, you're talking about Gary Zimmerman, Hall of Famer, Shannon Sharp, Hall of Famer, yeah. Terrell Davis, Hall of Famer, John Elway, Hall of Famer. Every guy in their offensive line was a pro bowler, all pro, except one guy. Steve Atwater, excuse me, left him out, Hall of Famer. I mean – that, there's a reason those teams were so good. It's, it was hard to appreciate it necessarily when it was living it, but those were some great Bills teams. You know, you're right about that. I just, I, on my show on Monday on the radio, I said a lot of times in life, too often we, we celebrate an accomplishment and then we turn our eyes immediately to the next milestone. I said, sit in this. You never know when it's going to stop. You never know when you're not going to have, you know, what you have here in this team, the Bills, they're on a nice run, but even in Denver, now you go back, they have now in the last, what, four years or so, they haven't made the playoffs, but that's coming off a Super Bowl win. But suddenly, Super Bowl. They were winning their division routinely every year. You go back to the mid 2000s, they were pretty much winning like 2014, 2015, a little bit before that. Hasn't been the case though in Denver. Tell me a little bit about the switch and, and what happened. Obviously, Peyton Manning is gone, but you know, just tell me a little bit about what happened with the Denver Broncos since that Super Bowl run till now. Yeah, that Super Bowl 50 team was a special team and it was anchored by their defense, Sal. I mean, that's a, for me a top five all time defense. Uh, you know, and Von Miller came into his own to Marcus Ware, TJ Ward. Yeah. Uh, Malik Jackson. I mean, there's just a lot of guys. But what happened was after that season, Peyton Manning retired. Gary Kubiak was gone a year after that. Demarcus Ware was gone. It was just this vacuum in leadership. And it just started this carousel. And you see it with bad teams. You've seen it in Buffalo. You've seen it in Cleveland Raiders. When you have a lack of continuity at coach and quarterback, your teams typically don't succeed. And the Broncos have had five offensive coordinators in five years. They've had three head coaches in six years, and they've had 10 starting quarterbacks since Peyton Manning. And that's a recipe for losing. And they think now that Drew Locke, 
I'm bullish on Locke and a lot of his personality traits. He's needed to play better. And his game last week in Carolina, it looks like I said people on the radio earlier today, he's finally kind of at the intersection with the blinker on. Like he looks like he's ready to turn the corner because it was rugged those first couple months. I mean, he was turning the ball over. They lead the league in giveaways, the Broncos. There's a reason they're not in the playoffs right now. It's because of the giveaways, and it starts at the quarterback position. But the biggest they are facing now, missing the playoffs for five straight years. That hasn't happened since 1963. The playoffs for five years is 2006 to 2010. But the last time they would have four straight losing seasons, which they'll do with one more loss, was the drought of 63 to 1972. Wow. The Bronco fans just aren't used to this, but there is some hope. Last week showed glimpses of it. It looks like their offense, you can start to see the puzzle pieces finally start to fit together. But what happened? The loss of Manning started it, then the loss of Kubiak, then DeMarcus Ware, and it just created this quarterback carousel, offensive coordinator carousel that has led to just fifteen, you know, 17 points a game, having to play perfect every week, and eventually the defense would break and they would lose. You know, there's a lot of similarities between Drew Locke and Josh Allen. And I know going into the 18 draft, there were some people tying maybe John Elway to Josh Allen, thinking, could he take this guy? He's from, from your backyard basically there. In, in the Pacific Northwest, um, you know, the big, strong arm. A lot of people reminded him of John Elway, but he didn't. They passed on him. They, they've gone with Drew Locke. Is, has there been anyone that's kind of brought that up maybe over the last couple of years and said, hey, look what Josh is doing now, maybe especially this year, and said maybe they should have done it? Or has, has the optimism in Locke basically tempered that anyway? No, I mean, because Drew, you know, Josh Allen is now considered one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL based on the way he's playing this year, 35 right. touchdowns. And you remember, he was at Wyoming, so most people in Colorado saw his games because he played in the same conference as Carter State. So yeah. and I watched him a lot because I had a the kicker that kicked for Wyoming played youth sports and high school sports with my sons. <laughs> so I'd keep an eye on Wyoming because of that. Right. And I was just saying on the radio, Josh Allen made a throw at Nebraska. I believe it was his sophomore year. I was watching with my, my sons. He scrambles to the right. It was toward the end of the half. He's fall, falling out of bounds and throws like a 40, 50-yard dart. And I didn't know – I turned to my son and was like, I don't know who this guy is. That's an NFL quarterback. Right. Like, you just don't see that kind of arm strength. And I saw him at the senior and he, you could hear the ball go by because we're on field level. I was like – you know, and that reminded me. I covered Elway, and I was like, man, I, I don't know that I've seen an arm this strong in person. I covered a lot of baseball in my life. So I've seen you know guys throw 100. Sure. But when it's a football, you know, zooming by like that, it was impressive. The reason, yeah, but it does get brought up. Bradley Chubb's had a nice run when he's been on the field. He missed most of last season, unfortunately. Chubb's good in so many ways, but the idea was to pair him with Von Miller. Well, last year, Chubb missed essentially the whole season, and this year, Von's looking at missing the whole season. So that hasn't worked out to neither one's fault, but that combination hasn't really been, we haven't been able to really see it as much as we had expected. Uh, in the case of Josh Allen, that draft, they really like Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. The issue the Broncos had with Josh Allen, when I go back through and look at my notes leading up to that, they were a little afraid he was another version of Paxton Lynch, who they just got burned by, who was a mobile quarterback, didn't have a great completion percentage, and dominated a lesser conference. And the lack of accuracy concerned them. The thing they missed on was, in Lynch's case, he was had no passion for football. He just didn't care about succeeding as a quarterback. He was like, last guy in, first guy out. And I, and I don't say that to be mean. That was just who sure. Paxton was. Josh loves it, eats it, breathes it. And I'm surprised that didn't resonate more when they had him at the Senior Bowl 
frankly, with mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield because the Broncos were that coaching staff. So they were around those players a lot. So I'm surprised that didn't come out. You know, I don't know behind the scenes why it did not. But when Denzel Ward went to the Browns, it was an auto pick for the Broncos to take Chubb because the only ones they like were really like were Mayfield and Darnold. But yeah, it just came up on a radio show I was just on. What would have happened if Allen were here? But I was honest. I said, I don't know that he would have succeeded here because of the dysfunction of three coaches in six years, five offensive coordinators. Part of the reason, Josh, and a credit to him, but in talking to people in Buffalo, and I'll ask you, is, is part of the reason he succeeded is the continuity of coaching coordinator and patience in a rebuilding project. The Broncos think they're in it every year, and they don't. The first step to rebuilding is admit you're rebuilding, and right. they won't. They think they're one player away, so they have this unbelievable urgency to everything. And I don't know going into year three how much patience they would have had with Josh Allen. I mean, you would like to think they would have. I just know how things have gone where they've had 10 starters since Manning, and, and there hasn't been a lot of patience, whether it was Flacco, whether it was Keenum, whether it was Mark Sanchez, whether it was – I mean, you pick a guy. They right. haven't shown any patience at the position. No, and you know what, Troy, you're 100% right. It's something I bring up all the time when people ask me, why has he succeeded? And I said, because they've had patience with him. They had a clear plan and a vision when they came in here in 2017, Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. And you know this as well as anybody. What happens when there's – not success. Somebody gets yanked. Either it's the quarterback or the coach or the general manager with a new plan who comes in. You look at what Baker Mayfield went through after his rookie year, this great rookie year. Suddenly he has chaos and he has a dip. Sam Darnold's the poster child for this. Sam Darnold's had so much chaos. He had no chance to succeed in New York. And I don't know. And I've always said, and I, I believe this, if Josh had gone to the Jets and Sam had gone to the Bills, I think Sam would be pretty good right now. And I think Josh would be a disaster because he would have so much chaos around him and he needed those reps. He needed the vision. So it's interesting you say that. And another guy he's been compared to too is Jay Cutler, actually, who you guys have had in Denver, obviously, because of, of the way he plays. So you're right about getting burned on that, but I, I can't stress that point enough. I think you make a great point, which is, hey, if you're going to do it, you got to do it. You can't, you can't half it. You know, you can't say we're going to bring the guy in and rebuild, but then you know what, if he's not the guy in a year and a half, we're going to get him out of there. Yeah, I mean, again, I covered baseball forever. I mean, you can't be half pregnant when you rebuild. That's right. Like it's either you are or you aren't. And the Broncos straddle that fence all the time. Of we we realize we're young on offense, we got to win now. We realize we're really young here, but we got to win now. And you have these conflicting philosophies. And you know, I do think it's unfair to Drew Locke when people have said he's just like Josh Allen because they look at the. For me, it's a little lazy. The statistical percentage and the completion percentage. The thing is different. Is Josh is a legitimate running threat. Drew's not. So even when Josh was having those bad games and I'd see it, he'd still have, what, 10 carries for 80 yards rushing. Right. He made your best player on the ground. That's the difference with with, uh, Allen is he could, you know, go 10 for 21 for 122 yards, but then throw out 70 yards on the ground. That's right. If Locke has a game like that and he had a couple early real clunkers, there's no other value. He's not running around. Locke's issue is he thinks he has Josh Allen's arm at times. And is he's in Missouri playing Vanderbilt, and he go, tries to thread the needle in the middle of the field, and it's just it finally it looks like this last couple of weeks Miami and uh, Carolina, they have realized and jo- and Drew's realized when they're balanced, thirty runs, thirty passes, and they use the running backs, use the tight ends, and they were thirteen receptions to running backs and tight ends last week. That's when he's good. His best two games of his career at Houston and at Carolina, he was thirty for thirty four on passes that travel fewer than five yards. So it got him into rhythm. Sure. Early in the year, they're throwing down the field into double coverage. They were asking him to be great when he wasn't good yet. 
I'm like, yeah, because and then he would get on the Zoom afterward. And I like Drew. I like everything about his personality. He right. has he grabbed, he's a leader, he's got that swag about him. But it's like, I'll make that throw nine out of ten times. It's like not in the NFL, you're not. It's, a, it's <laughs> right. an interception. Like it's an it's a turnover, and they're not good enough to win turning the ball over. Most teams aren't. Like people don't realize the NFL over the last 15 years has become risk averse. Guys that lead right. the league in the in turnovers, uh, let's take Winston out. Most quarterbacks that lead in interceptions are around 16 to 18. That's that right. was like a half season for Favre, or go half back, season uh, for Manning. Or the, you don't guys don't throw picks anymore. No, so you go back and compare it to when Kelly or Elway and those guys played. They were throwing lots of picks every year. I mean, it's just it was a different game back then. Yeah, they'd throw three touchdowns, three picks, win a yeah, game. You right. throw a few picks in today's game, you are almost 100% <laughs> losing. And in Locke's case, he had a pick in seven straight games until last week. Like, And, again, it would be different if they had the, the 2015 defense to overcome it and, you know, camouflage more blemish, blemishes than Revlon. They don't. So he's making turnovers. Their defense is okay. They're good in the red zone, but that's that's what I'm. So that is they give it away. That then because they get behind in games, they don't take it away. That's the issue with Fangio's defense. He led the league in takeaways in Chicago his last year. He's produced sacks, but they get no takeaways because typically they're trailing. So teams go into a four minute offense. They run the football. Everything's quick slant ball out, and that's that's that they've been trapped in that area for essentially four and a half years. Other than I'd say the first year after the Super Bowl, at one point they were seven and four. And then they finished that season two and four, right? Or two and three. They were seven and three and finished two and four. And from that moment on, offensively, it has just been whew, tough. So, so, and by the way, Troy Rank joining me. Great stuff here. ABC Denver. Uh, he's going to be a part of the coverage on the Denver side of things, obviously. If you're out there and watching, I know a lot of you come aboard from all different places here on South Sports Live as well as the podcast, South Sports and stuff. So we thank him for his time. Let me ask you about the running back situation. Both Gordon and Lindsey questionable, but I've read that they're expected to play. What's the situation with them? Yeah, they'll both play, and Gordon's playing well. He's got a chance now if he averages 82 yards a game over the last three to get to 1,000. And it was not easy for him because he, he he comes in, he gets all the money. They don't pay Lindsay. Lindsay's a CU player. He's local. So it was not a popular move, even though they did need reinforcements. It was just that they really needed it at that cost. But Gordon has hit his stride. He has played well. He's a better receiver than Lindsay. Uh, Lindsay's had some injury issues. He's battled through the last few games with a hip and a knee, need a turf toe. Mm. So, but I would expect them both to play. And they're using both more in the passing game. And that's the key. The problem was they were never throwing to Lindsay. So he's basically averaged like three yards a carry over his last four games. Cause every time he's in the game, they knew they were running. But last week they incorporated more again, like I said earlier, more running back passes and Drew, part of it was on Drew getting to his checkdowns. But look for them both to play, and they need Gordon. To, their only chance to win this game for me is Gordon to have a big game and they control the possessions with the Bills, try to limit the possessions and make it a field goal game. Yeah, we're, part of the reason for that might be because of what you see on the other side with the injuries and suspensions at corner. Boy, I, I was reading even – Vic Fangio being questioned today about only having three available corners. And he said, I've never been in a situation like this. In fact, there's a safety that has to play slot corner because they basically are down three slot corners. What's the situation at defensive back for the Broncos right now? Yeah, they're just out on the street getting guys right now, just doing tryouts. No, just, they, they are down to three because they lost Bouye, uh, Boye to a suspension. Bryce Callahan's now out for the season, and he was playing at a pro, pro ball caliber level. 
then Duke Dawson and Kevin Tolliver against the Panthers both blew out their ACL in a matter of like five plays. Oh. So Will Parks, the guy, the safety you mentioned, who's playing nickel corner, he just joined the team two weeks ago, but he was with the organization previous. So it's not like he's new to this, but they're okay if those if you have Michael Ojemudia, the rookie from Iowa, has real potential and he's physical. He can tackle. He's had a nice rookie season, even though he got benched at one point, but he's really had a nice year for me, especially as a third-round pick. Devontae Bosby will take chances, but he he is a playmaker. He will get beat, but he also will make a play. And, and if Parks, Parks is an energy guy. He's a human Red Bull. He caffeinates the defense. He brings a lot of energy. The, they're fine if those three can stay on the field. If they don't, then it could be Nate Harrison, a guy they just picked up off the Ravens practice squad. Right. Playing snaps. I mean, after and then Elijah Holder. I mean, guys who've really played zero for them all year. So if they stay healthy, they'll be okay. But man, they're one injury one injury away from right this point to having a complete disaster at that position. Yeah, it's unfortunate, especially after what happened with the quarterback position a few weeks ago. And, and you know, now you see what's happening at cornerback for different reasons, obviously. What about at kicker? Brandon McManus apparently not going to be available being on the COVID list. So it looks like maybe an NFL debut here coming up. Yeah. You know, McManus, he went on the COVID-19 restricted list on Monday and it was his understanding as was mine from league memos and the way the rule is that counted as a quarantine day, a close contact quarantine day. So five days, he would have been eligible Saturday. Well, today Vic Fangio surprised us and said, Nope, he won't be eligible unless we played on Sunday. And I've reached out to the league, reached out to Brandon, reached out to the union to try to get clarification. But it looks like it comes down to this. Monday, the day he went on, didn't count. So he's not eligible. So he would. they will have a new kicker for the first time since 2014. I mean, McManus has been with them. He's, he's the last guy from Super Bowl 50 that plays regularly. Vaughn's been out this year, and they brought back Sylvester Williams. But he's really the last guy from Super Bowl 50 that right. contributes on a regular basis. Taylor Russolini is an XFL kicker. He was with St. Louis, and he had a brief stay in 17 with the Montreal Alouettes. With St. Louis, he had a 58-yarder in the XFL last spring. He comes with a recommendation from Pat McAfee, who was, you know, obviously Tom McMahon, the Broncos special team coach, worked with McAfee for six years in Indianapolis. He recommended him. They quarantined him. He's their COVID kicker. <laughs> He's been working out on the side. So as it stands now, Russolini, will be <laughs> the kicker, which, again, we I kind of laugh at him. It's cool for the kid. I feel really badly for McManus. But in a game where they might have to win close, they might need him. I, I, again, I don't think they're going to win, but th if they do win, it would probably be by a field goal. So there might be some pressure on the kid. Hey, uh, we got a, a comment for you here. How about this? Dan says, Troy, love your work in Denver. I live locally, grew up in Hamburg, New York, right near Buffalo. Was 14 the last time the Bills won the AFC East. He said he's disappointed the governor said no fans weeks back. I uh, wish that that would happen. So can you give us an update on what that, because here we have no fans in Buffalo, obviously. What is the situation in Denver? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, they they nixed it. It's just the, co the surge in COVID cases around yeah. the country and in Colorado specifically. Right. The Broncos had uh, were granted a variance to start the season where they had roughly 12,000 in a 78,000 stadium. And that was that went through – what game was that? The Dolphins game? Was that the last game they had fans or the Chargers? It might have been the Chargers game. But with the surge in cases, they they yeah. mixed it. So no fans for the remainder of the season. You know, that, that, you know that, that does matter here. I mean, in Buffalo as well. I've covered a couple sure. of games in Buffalo. The altitude's a factor. It always is. But their fans in a close game matter because of the, the teams can't audible. 
That's right. I mean, fans are loud and they play a factor. So in close games, that is, you know, that hasn't helped the Broncos, but there will be no fans in this game. Yeah, it's a shame here too because obviously you know Bills Mafia they they come very hard and strong no matter what the situation and they can really impact a game on a lot of levels. Let, last thing before I let you go, I really appreciate your time tonight. I've kept you pretty long here, but uh, game tonight is Chargers Raiders. Obviously AFC West. You're familiar with both teams, but here in Buffalo we lived with the Patriots domination for 20 years. Brady Belichick just lording over the division, beating the Bills almost seemingly every time. They, I mean, I think more times than anybody's ever beaten another opponent. Is there a, any like fear of that going on right now in the near future with Mahomes and Kansas City and how much maybe they can just kind of be on top of that division and, oh, my gosh, how are we ever going to surpass them? Yeah, it, it's basically Bronco fans now feel like what Chiefs fans did when the Broncos had Elway and Manning. You yeah, know, and that, right. that, that's what it feels like. And in, and in just most recent history, Manning dominated the AFC West, home and road. I mean, that's the thing I tell people about Peyton Manning. He could fall out of bed and win 12 games because <laughs> he would win road games. Right. Since he left, they've been a terrible road team. And they've been, they haven't, they haven't beaten the Chiefs since Manning retired. Wow. They've lost 11 straight to the Chiefs. That's before Mahomes. Yeah, that's what I'm that's and yeah. that, that was that was Alex Smith. Yeah. That was Manning's last game against the Chiefs. Uh he lost. It's been eleven straight to the Chiefs. That's their longest uh, streak in this rivalry since 1969. Um, but what concerns you is Mahomes is so young. Yeah. You know, it's not like, oh, he's a veteran and he's going to be there four more years. Like You can look at it and say he might be there another 10 years playing at a high level. He's And I knew about Le, Patrick. Le, I covered Latroy Hawkins with the Rockies, and Latroy is his godfather. So wow. I had been talking to him about Patrick Mahomes since Patrick was like 14 years old. He thought he was going to be a major league pitcher. I mean, through 93, right. 94 off the mountain in high school. Like but dad. I like everything about Mahomes. It's funny. I mean, I, so when you watch the Chiefs, they're a fun team to watch, you know, and see live because their offense reminds me of a kind of a revolution or better version 2.0 of the Rams, the greatest show on turf. That's what it reminds me of. They don't have Falk, but Kelsey is a, like a faster version of Gronk. Tyreek Hill is the hardest player to guard in the NFL. And they, you know, Edwards Hilaire is good. Now you've got uh, uh, on Bell. Yep. But the reality is Mahomes reminds a lot of people here of Elway because he just runs around. You're like, what is he doing? He's, and he goes backwards 10 yards and still makes a play. Makes a play. So, I mean, at one point he was on pace for 45 touchdowns and five picks. I think now it's he's on pace for 46 touchdowns and eight picks. Man. And, yeah, it, you know, and Tom Brady dominated the Bills. And so there is some comparisons there when you look at it and go, Whew, when is this going to get better? And the hope for the Broncos is they can get to a point where they can consistently score 25 points a game to where you'd split with them. Maybe you beat them in Denver and take your chances because they've been averaging 17, 18 points a game the last four years. You legitimately have no chance against the Chiefs if you can't score 30 points consistently. And they almost pulled it off the other night. But, I mean, Chiefs were kind of toying with them. You know, the game wasn't as close as the score. They had two touchdowns called back. But if you're going to beat the Chiefs, and I think your Bills are going to the best, they might be the second best team in the AFC for me. If you're going to beat the Chiefs, you have to run the football and control possessions. Yep. That's the only way we've seen Patrick Mahomes lose these last three years is when teams controlled the number of possessions and controlled the clock. And, you know, instead of him getting 13 possessions, he gets nine. That's how you beat the Chiefs. Is that your bulldog behind you on that picture? On that, is that your bulldog, or just is it a uh, just a picture uh, of a bulldog? It's a picture of a bulldog. We we put down a, our bulldog a few oh. years ago. We're going to get another. We've had two. 
the one in that that picture is a card my wife gave me that looks identical to our last bulldog Gibson. Okay. The other one's just a sign uh, who we got because they were and our first bulldog was more that color, the tan and white. So I had a I had a boxer bulldog mix right there. Oh, there he is, <laughs> boxer American bulldog. We we also had to put him down. We have a okay. boxer right now though. Oh, do you? Yeah, I have friends that have boxes. They love them. We'll get a bulldog eventually. Another one eventually. They're the greatest. And that's um, what is that? Rockies, Rockies bobbleheads over your head. Uh, there's Tulo's one from um, when he was in Tulsa, Troy Tulowitzki, Cargo, Helton. Um, yeah, and there's a uh, football, Steve Atwater on the media guide for going in the Hall of Fame. Nice. Got some cool stuff there. there. Yeah. I got, I got Jeter, Moe, and uh, Bernie Williams up there behind me. Oh, Yankees guy. I see. <laughs> That's right. There Rooting for the underdog, I see. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hey, man, we need something like that. We're in Buffalo. We have Sabres and Bills. We haven't won much in, you know, in a long time. Hey, Troy, I, I kept you a long time. Thank you so much. This was wonderful insight, seriously. So thank you very much for doing this. Enjoy the game on Saturday, obviously, and uh, thanks again for coming on. You got it, Sal. Take care, my man. All right, thank you. That is uh, Troy Rank. He is from ABC Denver. Wow, good guy. Great guy. Wasn't that really cool? Good insight right there. Took up almost the whole time. I hate doing that to my guests, keeping them for that long but I really appreciate him coming on. I mean, that was pretty cool for him to be able to come on for that long. Uh, Colorado Craig says, West Denver Bills backers showing the game outdoors at West Fax Brewing. So there you go. There you go. All right. So if you are out there, we appreciate that. Uh, Muhammad, really look forward to the show every week. Love the insight from the sideline reporters. Thank you. Actually, Troy's not an actual sideline reporter. But he, there's an, uh, he is uh, just a Denver reporter, but thank you. I uh, had the comment from Dan right there. And uh, thank you very much for this as well. Tim, great dialogue. Wish we played Denver every week. Yeah, maybe just for the dialogue, I guess. All right, so Bills, Broncos. Listen, before I wrap up the show, just want to take you back inside of what's going on this week, all right? Back on Monday, I did my Extra Point show on WGR Sports Radio 550, and I said, I opened the show by saying, look, don't look ahead too much. Sit in this, sit in what's happening, appreciate what's happening because you never know when it's going to end. And we're too quick to kind of just go to the next thing, go to the next thing, just soak in how good this team is right now, how well they're playing 10 and three. It's really awesome, right? Well, guess what? Now here we are on a Thursday night. Maybe you listen to this on Friday, whatever. It is now finally time to turn the page. It's time to turn the page and look ahead to Saturday. Bills, Broncos, 4.30 PM. Of course, WGR Sports Radio 550, Bills Radio Network. We'll have you covered all day. We got the call for you, Murph, Tasker, myself. But what I want to say is, man, I'm, I'm, I'm like kind of getting chills just talking about this. It's here, baby. It is here. It is time. The Buffalo Bills can win the division, man. They can do it. When you wake up on Saturday morning, think about the opportunity that's in front of this football team. First time in 25 years, quarter century. It's been a long time since that ha that's happened. I grew up here. You know, there's a thing that people say all the time, like, you know, if you're in this industry, you're in this business, you can't be a fan. Screw that, man. I am a fan of Buffalo sports. I want championships for this city. I love this city. I want to be a part of it. I want to cover it. I want to be on the sidelines for playoff games and Super Bowls and championships. That's what I want. I want the Sabres to win. I want everybody to win. I want UB, everybody who's around here associated with Buffalo to win. That's, that's, that's the good stuff, man, when you can just celebrate this stuff together as a community. So. When you wake up on Saturday, get ready, man, because it is it is time to celebrate. And, and if you do, if they do it, if they do it Saturday, let it flow. Let it flow. Enjoy it. Celebrate it. Quarter century. Remember when they made the playoffs, all those videos, those viral videos of people going crazy and crying and, oh, my God. 
You know, it might not be like that. It might not be in the moment breaking the drought. That's not what it's about. And it's not breaking the drought, but it is special. It is special. It is going to be so cool to have that. That oh, what do you what a banner? We gotta put up a banner. It's not like uh not like you're at the uh, you know KeyBank Center basically, but you know what I mean. Like they'll put it wherever something. Just say that 2020 AFC East champions. That's gonna be special and cool. And I just want everybody to enjoy it because you deserve it. You deserve it as Bills fans. You deserve it as Buffalo sports fans. You deserve it in 2020 for everything that we've all been through. Right? We've all had a really rough year. The Bills have kind of kept us going here over the last few months because of the way they're playing. Don't take it for granted. You never know. What if someone told you in 1995 that the Buffalo Bills would not win another division for 25 years? You'd say, heck no. There's no way. First, you wouldn't believe it. And second, you'd say, what am I supposed to do for 25 years? Am I supposed to not root for them because I know they're not going to win the division? You never know when it's going to end. You never know what's going to come to a stop. Enjoy it. And as you prepare for Saturday, you get those goosebumps, you get those feelings, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Enjoy sports. Love your team. Anybody who says otherwise, that's too, no. That when people tell me it's just sports, no, it's not. It Sports mean a lot to us. You wouldn't be watching this show tonight. You wouldn't be listening to this show if sports didn't mean that much to you. They mean a lot to me. I make my life in it. I make my living in it. I love what I do. I don't love what I do just because it's a job. It is a passion of mine. To not only be associated with sports, but to be associated with sports in Buffalo. And I want this for Buffalo. Saturday, Bills, Broncos, AFC East division title possibilities. Thanks for watching the show tonight on Sal Sports Live. And thanks for coming to the podcast this week. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever. Or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.